Hey, welcome to the Jewish Road Podcast. My name is Matt Davis, and I am here with Big Daddy. (laughs) I'm Ron, and I'm here with... uh... Who are you? Uh, little Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Little Maddie and Big Daddy. Normally, we are uh, doing this from the, the basement of uh, Kentucky. We happen to be out here in Dallas, Texas uh, right now. And as, at the time of recording, normally we, uh, we try to record a little bit ahead of time. Uh, today, we are right on the cusp because literally the sun's going to go down in a couple hours. And that will begin the beginning of... Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. Mm-hmm. Now... We say Rosh Hashanah, but this entire episode is going to be, this is, and Rosh Hashanah, historically, it, 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 as you may have known it, it, this is the beginning of the High Holy Days. This is, this is one of the biggest holidays in Judaism, and it begins, as you said, the High Holy Day season. Synagogues are going to be packed with people tonight. Well, they already are. Israel is ahead of us in their time, and uh, it is just packed with people to hear the blowing of the shofar. Okay, now you, you jumped ahead too much because what we're doing here, this this episode is going to be called if we do if we do this right, we'll we'll see how this goes. But we are calling this rethinking Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, rethinking Rosh Hashanah because yeah, yeah we've been rethinking it yeah. just a little. Why bit. do we have to rethink it? Well, we want this to be biblical, right? So I, I think that our, our filter as we look through everything has to be the Word of God, right? The inspired Word of right. God, that, that is directing us. And as we find things, I, there, there are things that we have that uh, we, we have confusion. We have confusion from the Jewish community, and right. we love our Jewish community. And we don't do this as a condemnation. We do this as an invitation. We also have confusion that comes from our, our church communities, um, where they're missing out. Well, they, they don't have any grasp of anything taking place tonight. Right. So that, and, and we, were, we were speaking uh, at a church in Dallas this morning, and one thing that we said was we said, at this very moment, there are Jews all over the world. They're going into their synagogues to start Rosh Hashanah. And yeah. at this very moment, as we were speaking in the church, we were saying that there are Christians going to church who have no idea that it's Rosh Hashanah. That's right. Yeah. But Rosh Hashanah is in it's in the Bible. Well, kind of. Is it? Well, uh, that's what we have to rethink. That yes. So let's yeah. rethink this. Where do we want to start in our rethinking? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, this is a time that there are a lot of beautiful traditions that come out of this holiday that is called Rosh Hashanah. Um, and you know, it's, it's sad to say that, uh, all of these beautiful traditions that we grew up with and we have celebrated for years are really, e got to say it, oh. man's tradition. It's, it hurts, huh? It yeah. It's a little bit. Yeah. 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 Is this I don't what enjoy saying that. Is this what it's like when there's certain Christians who decide that the Christmas tree has nothing to do with Christmas and they say like, hey, maybe this has nothing to do with the birth of Jesus and we <laughs> got to put the tree, we're going to make everybody mad on this one. Huh? Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> well, what is, okay, let's, let's just, let's let people in for a second. What is a traditional uh, celebration of Rosh Hashanah? Well, there is the blowing of the shofar. That seems to be a, you know, prime thing that everybody looks forward to. In fact, they even have uh, shofar rehearsals. 
There's, I, I've seen shofar class. Uh, we actually saw there was a, a congregation that they said shofar practice is canceled today, and all of the little Jewish kids said thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah they all celebrated. <laughs> okay, but maybe we even jumped ahead and assumed too much. Number one, uh, the the feast. Well, not even the feast. I, I'm, boy, there's so many places we can go. With the this. day of Rosh Hashanah. Okay, so let's start there. Rosh Hashanah. It means. What? It means the head of the year, or the as the, year. the, you know, the Jewish people will say, it is the new year. It's the new year. There's only a problem with that. It is, because this is not the first month of the year. Yeah. This is the seventh month right. of the year. When was the actual new year, biblically, if we're going to look biblically? Well, biblically, if you look in the book of Leviticus, it tells us that the first month of the year will be in the month Nisan, which is like two weeks prior to Passover. Okay, so we're not making this up. And and here's where, uh, and we're just going to keep using this term Rosh Hashanah until we unpack it for you, and then we'll, we'll change the term on you, but just to make it nice and confusing. But in your Bibles, if you look at Leviticus 23, this is where all of these God's appointed times take place. And specifically, in your Bible, Leviticus 23, 23... I'm betting that the header says the Feast of Trumpets. Uh, it does not say Yom Teruah. It does not say uh, Zikaron Teruah. We'll get into some of that. It says the Feast of Trumpets. And, 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 and what we've been calling it and what the Jewish community calls it is Rosh Hashanah. In fact, you go on to the news and tonight there will be, and to our Jewish friends, we would love to wish you a very happy Rosh Hashanah. A right? happy New Year. A happy yeah. New Year. Now, this is why we know that this is not the new year. It says this in Leviticus 23, 23. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel saying, in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall observe a day of solemn rest. Not, not the first month, the seventh month. Mm -hmm. This is not the new year. This is not the head of the year. Right. Now, they're... Jewish tradition, they'll say there's two or even three New Year's, but this is not the biblical New Year. So Rosh means head, Rosh Hashanah, the year, this is the head of the year, but it's actually not really the head of the year. That was six months ago during the Passover season. Yes? Uh, that's true. And, you know, the, the things that the people look forward to and the traditions that uh, we celebrated for years you know, are, as I mentioned, the blowing of the shofar, and it begins at 10 days of awe or 10 days of repentance and judgment, hoping that you will be inscribed in the book of life for one more year, and yet not one of any of those things are found in Scripture. Right. So you go into a, a traditional and orthodox synagogue today and they have and maybe we're even assuming do we know what a shofar is it's translated in english to trumpet but we're yeah. thinking like the brass thing with three valves yeah. and the, and the yeah. big horn is really or, loud or a ram's horn right so yeah. that's what a shofar is right it's right. it's a ram's horn that because they didn't have the the you know the brass you know when we think of trumpet today yeah. um but even in in leviticus 23 how are Bibles have translated this, and this is not a translation as much as a, an interpretation, right? On this day, it says, it will be a memorial proclaimed with blast of trumpets, a holy convocation. Yeah, and the term of trumpets in the NAS is in italics. Is that right? Yeah. So yeah. what does that mean, though? Yeah, well, that means it trumpets does not appear in the, in the original text. 
uh, it was put in there by the translators uh, to try to make sense out of what it was. Right. So here, here's a little bit of Hebrew nerdery that we're just going to hit real quick. Uh, there is a word for trumpets in the Hebrew, right? There is. Yeah. What is that word? The word for trumpet? Yeah. Is it's it shofar? Shofar. Yeah. Right? So yeah. shofar. Does the word shofar show up in scripture? Yes. Yes. All over the place. Yeah. Right? So shofar shows up. Now, since it says here in Leviticus 23, it says that this is a memorial proclaimed with the blast of trumpets, you would think that if you looked up that word trumpets in Hebrew, it would say... Shofar. Shofar. Does it say shofar? No. No. What does it say instead of shofar? Teruah. Teruah. Yes. Now, what does teruah mean? What it, that is that like was a, question. a blast. <laughs> it was like a shout. Uh, you know, it could be a shout of joy. Um, think of Joshua in chapter 6, where they were walking around the walls of Jericho, and they gave a shout, a teruah, and the wall came down. I actually have that. I, I came prepared Good. today. Read it. And if you could only see the lighting that we have, I have glasses and headphones and I can barely see anything. But here it is, Joshua 6.20, it says, So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. Okay? Mm -hmm. That word, the people shouted. Teruah. Teruah. And the then the trumpets were shofar. blown. Shofar. And the shofar were blown. So right there in that one place. And then it goes on and says, and as soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, shofar, as soon as they heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted teruah with a great shout, teruah. Here's what we're trying to say. Sometimes the word teruah, in fact, most of the time the word teruah is coming from a human voice. It's the voice of humans proclaiming it's a shout of joy it's a shout of victory it's a shout of war cry yeah and then sometimes teru is associated with trumpets right so it could be either one but there is this shout but it does not say back going back to leviticus 23 that this is a day of the blowing of trumpets, trumpets. Yeah. this is and going back to what you just said it's associated teru is associated with trumpets but those are two separate words. Right. Yeah. But this holiday is really, it, we, ha, we have two different ways of saying it. It's Yom Teruah or Zikaron Teruah, which means the day of the blasts or the day of the remembrance right. of the blasts. Right. And so what has evolved over the years is that we refer to this time, Rosh Hashanah, as the Jewish New Year, and it isn't the Jewish New Year. Yeah. Don't pick up stones and throw them at us. Yeah, that's why we do this in a basement in <laughs> Dallas, and they can't even find us right now. Yeah, and, you know, realize that, you know, having said that, you know, it, uh, it, it puts us at odds with our heritage, with our community, with our people, you know, and... The traditions of Rosh Hashanah have, you know, been influential in our lives, have been a strong influence, even upon Messianic believers. So what do you mean by that? Well, 
Jewish believers in Jesus as the Messiah, Yeshua as the Messiah. All right, but what, what's the implication? What are you saying? Well, this, is, this has made a difference. What are the implications for Messianic believers? Yeah, well, it, it, not that it has made a difference. It's, it's had a strong influence. Oh, yeah, got it. Okay, and that influence is we have kind of followed that tradition along, and we ought to take a hard look at some of these things and question some of these things uh, as to the biblical accuracy of what we're actually doing, and therefore, then, what does it really mean? Because, and this is, again, uh, not an indictment, but we want to be able to clarify that there are aspects of modern-day Judaism today that have diverted from a biblical faith to a man-made faith, um, that there have been traditions that have been passed down along the years, over the years. Um, some of that has gone through the oral traditions, and, and as Judaism has continued to develop and develops today, that we have drifted as a people, and so we, even as Messianic Jews, um, we've grown up, and this is why we're rethinking, like, I've been calling this Rosh Hashanah my entire life. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, so, you know, while the Jewish people celebrate the New Year, and we learned it this way, uh, in the seventh month, the Bible says that the New Year is in the first month in the spring, just two weeks before Passover. In fact, Exodus chapter 12 and verse 2 says, this month shall be, talking about the month Nisan, the first month, shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. That's in Exodus chapter 12, just before Passover. Yeah. So as we're looking ahead and we're looking at some of this, I, just, just to even draw a line in the sand of, of what is happening for the Jewish people in this season. And you started talking about this a little bit in the beginning. Uh, this is the beginning of what we call the Days of Awe. Right. Uh, this is uh, where Jewish people believe that this is the one time a year where God opens up the Book of Life. And we actually have a little saying that I've been saying my entire life, right? Uh, may your name be inscribed in the Book of Life. Right. That starting at Rosh Hashanah and going for the next 10 days into Yom Kippur, that God has the book of life open and he's watching us. And based on our behavior, our righteous deeds, our actions, God will inscribe our name in the book of life or he won't. Right. Is that right? Yeah, that's the tradition. And so we do this, we blow the shofars, and then we finish it all off by eating apples and honey. May your year be inscribed as a good year. May it be a sweet year, and that's why we eat apples and honey. Well, and so where, where did this come from? Where did this whole idea of celebrating uh, this particular holy day that God has given as one of his appointed times, uh, where did we get that, you know, all of a sudden uh, type of celebration? Well... That God is asking them to remember something, right? Mm -hmm. And so if we're here in Leviticus and God is telling them through Moses, he's saying, I want you to remember this. When you hear this blast, um, this mighty shout, I want you to remember something. And what we were talking about earlier is that the, the historical thing, the thing that took place in Israel's history before this is that they have come out of Egypt 
and now they are 50 days or so into the wilderness experience, and we have Moses, and he's on top of Mount Sinai, right? Yeah. And right there in Exodus chapter 19, it says this. It says, on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a dark cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. It actually was, there was a very loud teruah so that all the people in the camp trembled. What's going on on top of Mount Sinai here? The Lord is coming down to speak to his people in a cloud. And he's making a covenant with them. He's making a covenant with them. Uh, He's taking this people and giving to them a constitution. Uh, You might even say, uh, like in a marriage ceremony, a ketubah as to how you're going to live life with each other. And so, you know, this is uh, where the people are meeting God. So when we get to this point in Leviticus where, where Moses is saying, hey, when we get to this time of year, this seventh month here, I want you to remember this. And, and God is reminding his people of the relationship that they are in together. That, that's the line in the sand. Now, as they go forward into the future, there's going to be more of this relationship that is building up over the years. Well, there are going to be more things to remember. Yes. So every time... Yom Teruah comes about, or Zikaron Teruah. Zikaron means remembrance, remembering. Uh, when those times come around, uh, at 1500 BC, there was a certain amount of things to remember, basically the redemption out of Egypt. But as you get 200 years more down the road, now there's more to remember. When you get, you know, 500 years down the road in the time of David, there's even more to remember. So Israel is reflecting back. And and God is telling them over the years, I want you to continue to reflect back. And so I, 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 I was talking to you earlier about, you know, what if, what if you have a couple and this couple, they get married and at their marriage ceremony, you know, you have the, the person officiating the wedding, they say, you're making a covenant with each other. There is this relationship here. Every time you hear this bell, ding, I want you to remember this covenant that you've made. Uh, and they're married, and it's good, and then it's not so good, and then she decides, I'm out of here. I don't want anything to do with this. Uh, but every year, she hears this bell, ding, ding, and it's always pointing back. She's, she's now remembering, every time she hears this bell, this relationship. Well, you fast forward this into Israel's future when they hear the blast, this day of the remembrance of the shouting, this day, it's supposed to hearken back to that original covenant that was made. And then on the other side of the cross, we have the Jewish people and we're looking now forecasting in the future. What is it that they will be remembering when they look back, when they hear this blast? Yeah. Well, there, there is one particular offense, unlike remembering all the sins of the past uh, that Israel has recounted over the years, you know, especially you look at the book of Nehemiah, 
chapter 9, and Israel is, finds the scroll of the law, and they read it, and they say, oh, Gavalt, what did we do? <laughs> and they realize that they come before the Lord and they confess their sins all day long, uh, their entire history, uh, their rebellion, their you know, turning against God, and they remember God's compassion and God's grace, and all of these things go into the remembrance. Well, that's not what is going to happen in the future. There is one particular offense, one particular transgression that Scripture talks about in several places that Israel must remember. It's and specific and it's singular, and that one transgression, transgression is the rejection of the Messiah when he came the first time. Okay. So give, give me an example of one of those passages. Well, uh, one, of those, one of those passages, for example, uh, is in Hosea chapter 5. And you look at the end of the chapter in verse 15, and this is God speaking, and he says, I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face, and in their distress, earnestly seek me. Okay, so he says, I will, this is God saying, I will return again to my place. Now, in order to return to your place, what do you have to do? You have to leave your place. You have to leave the place. So you can't return to your place unless you first leave it. Is there any time in history that God ever left his, by the way, where is God's place? It's in heaven. I think. In heaven. And did God ever leave heaven? Well, I would say yes. Yeah. In the incarnation. In the incarnation when Yeshua came, Jesus came, and God became a man. Now, he wasn't half God and half man. He was 100% God and 100% man. He was the God-man. That's right. Okay. And so he left his place and he says, I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt, until they acknowledge their transgression and seek my face, and in their affliction, earnestly seek me. There's a lot going on there. When is that going to take place? Well, that's when Israel repents. Until, well, until Israel repents. Of what? Of this sin. Of this one specific, singular, specific sin. Specific and singular. Say Specific and singular. Specific, yeah. And that specific sin is the rejection of the Messiah when he came the first time. Okay, so I, I want to try to say this in normal human speak because you, you, know, you, you make things somewhat complicated sometimes. But, but you, you did a good job. That was the clearest you've ever been. I just want to just give I'm you I'm going to hit my cough button in a minute. <laughs> that doesn't shut me up. <laughs> you need a cough button for me to shut me up. But I'm going to say something to you. Uh, <laughs> okay. Let's just wait till we're done here. Oh, boy. When God becomes man, when Jesus shows up here on earth, he is coming to bring what? He's coming to offer the kingdom to his people. That's right. Right? Yeah. He's coming to bring the kingdom to his people. And could that generation of Jewish people have received that, accepted that offer, and then we would have been done with all of this. He would have established the, king, the kingdom right then, right then, then and there. Yeah. But instead, they rejected. So this is... And of course, forward. he knew this was going to happen. God knew this was going to happen all along. Right, which it gets into a lot of other confusing, yeah. hard things to talk about. But 
it's it's where we fast forward to the scene of Matthew 23 and Jesus is is looking and he's lamenting, he's weeping over Jerusalem. And he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Like He says, if only you would have known this the day of your visitation. Yeah. How, how often would I have gathered you together as a hen gathers the chicks, but you were not willing. And therefore... Now your your house is left to you desolate. Your house. Wait, he always that's called it his father's house. Right. Now he's saying your house is left desolate. You will not see me again until you say, Baruch Bashem Adonai. Yeah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Right. Now this is not the first time that there was a promise put in front of the people, an offer of the kingdom, and there's an unbelieving generation, and God pulls it back, right? So maybe an even easier remembering, a time of remembering is is we have that Jewish generation that came out of Egypt, and now they're they're wandering in the wilderness, but they're going towards what? The promised land. The promised land, right? And so now we send out the spies, the spies come back, they bring out a report, and what's everybody's response? They don't like it, they're fearful. Right. And so yeah. what does God do? He says, this generation that has rejected this offer of the promised land this generation will what? They will not see it. They won't see it. They're going to die. They, Another Jewish generation will see it. Now they're rerouted for 38 years, and they are wandering in the wilderness. They got as close as 11 miles. They're wandering in the wilderness, and they die out, every last one of them, and the next generation yeah. got to see. And you're getting to the point that this is exactly what happened when the Messiah came the first time. That Jewish generation rejected him as the Messiah. So what does that mean? Does that mean that uh, God is done with Israel, that the church is now the new Israel? Who's going to inherit the kingdom? Right. It's it's not like that generation had to die out, and now we're going to give it to the early church. Right. Right. Which the early church was Jewish, but we've talked about that before. The early church was Jewish. The early church was yeah, completely but, Jewish, right? Right, but but we, and we we've, we've actually just had our last few podcast episodes have been all about that God has not replaced His people. Yeah. Anyway, what we're trying to say is that that God rescinded; He pulled back that offer of the kingdom to that generation, that Jewish generation, that Jewish generation, so that what? Well, He will reoffer the kingdom to another Jewish generation, the one coming out of the great tribulation, at the end of the Great Tribulation. So that is in the future. That That is in the future. But what I just read to you out of Hosea, when he said, I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face, and in their affliction earnestly seek me. Okay, There is an affliction that is going to take place during the tribulation, and it's a physical affliction, but there is also a spiritual affliction, and that spiritual affliction is going to cause them to recognize, to look back, to turn to God. And in chapter 6, right in the beginning in verse 1, they say, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, that he may heal us. Wait, what book is this? This is still Hosea. Okay, Hosea 6.1. Read yeah. it again. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down, and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live before him. I think that when they come to this place, they're coming to this place of spiritual affliction. They're, they're recognizing, oh, my God, 
what have we done? You know, who has believed our report, just like Isaiah said? Mm -hmm. And they're coming to a place of recognizing this. And I think when they come to this place, we're at the end of the tribulation. And I think that when God says after two days, well, the people are saying he will revive us. These are the people's response to their spiritual affliction. On the third day, he will raise us up. I think at this point of the tribulation, there is three days. And on the third day, God will return to save the Jewish people. All Israel at that point will be saved. He will come back and return. Uh, just as Zechariah says, they will look unto him whom they have pierced and mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. And all of this is going to take place at the end and the Messiah will return in the second coming. So as we go into this season, uh, we, we have to look, and as the, you can't get around this season of Yom Teruah, the day of the blast, or Rosh Hashanah, without hearing these shofars, right? Especially in Israel. And right. Israel is hearing these. And for better or for worse, for, for poor interpretation or not poor interpretation, these blasts are, are being heard and the hope is that they're going to pause and they're going to remember their relationship with the Lord, that they're going to yeah. remember who it is that they were actually called to. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're called to the God of Israel. He is their Redeemer. That's right. Well, <sighs> that's a lot. That's a lot of stuff. You know, one little caveat I can't help but throw in here is that, you know, in those days of, you know, the early days of celebrating Yom Teruah, of celebrating this particular holy day, this one of these one of the appointed times of God, they didn't call it Rosh Hashanah. That was not called by the the Jews in Moses' day, or even following that, even in David's day, it was not called. Rosh Hashanah. Right. If you went up to King David today and said, hey, are you going to the Rosh Hashanah services? No the way. apples and honey are, are going to be great. What are you talking about? He would say, I have no idea. What if you went up to the Apostle Paul and you said, hey, yeah. I, I hear that the, the congregation, the synagogue down the street has a really great Rosh Hashanah service. Yeah. yeah. So where did this come from? This, is, this has been brought in over the years. And, through... I, and I think one of the influences that brought that in comes after the Babylonian captivity and under the Persian captivity. And, you know, they adopted some of the things from those cultures and integrated them into their belief. But the problem is, is that a later historical development doesn't nullify God's word, which is what ought to be the authority. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. The application for us listening today is not remember your first love. This is a call, especially for those in the church, to be praying that Israel would remember who it is that they are called to be following. As, as Israel today is awaiting their Messiah, that they would know that their Messiah has already come. Yeah, that's he, a lot, lot of information. And he's coming again. Yeah, he's coming again. That, it, there's a lot of information there, and I hope it wasn't too confusing. Uh, but if you have any questions, write to us. Yeah, ron at thejewishroad.com. <laughs> <laughs>
I don't know if I want to handle this one over email. Uh, but uh, give him a call. His phone number is. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> don't, don't do don't that. Do okay. That. Just I already get enough political advertisement. There you go. All right. Well, hey, uh, this has been Rethinking Rosh Hashanah. Maybe this is the first time you've been thinking about Rosh Hashanah. And wherever you're at in the journey, uh, we we implore you to dive in, um, to jump in. Uh, and we, we uh, are talking about these high holy days, this season. This is a season of return. May it always be a season. May we every single day be returning back to the Lord. Um, but in this season and in over the next couple of weeks, we'll be looking and, and dropping some new episodes. Uh, and in this season that we'll also be checking out, uh, we'll be talking about the Day of Atonement, which is Yom Kippur, uh, which is deep and has lots of different levels. Um, and we'll also be getting into uh, Sukkot. The last thing I'll say is, hey, you want to go to Israel? We're going to Israel. Yeah. And uh, it's about a year from now, but we are going to be having a an informational Zoom meeting, and that's going to be taking place on October 9th. Uh, and that's uh, just a couple weeks away. If you are uh, – actually, it's it's literally like, like two weeks from today is the, at the time of recording. But October 9th, you can find out more about that and sign up. Register for that Zoom informational meeting for Israel. Uh, and you can go to thejewishroad.com slash Israel. And find out more about that. And so continue to follow along. Hey, tell a friend. Um, tell tell a, a Christian friend in the church. Tell a Jewish friend. And uh, watch their reaction. It'll be kind of fun. So um, we'd love to interact uh, with the Jewish community and the church. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'm well, done. Are you done? Remember, uh, remember, remember that pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That's right. Shalom Yerushalayim. Yeah. Shalom. Shalom. Shalom.